are live. Now, back to Chris Denman and Travis Terrell on the all-new 590 The Fan, 105.7 HD2 FM, and InsideSTL.com. Welcome back to We Are Live. Yes, we are. Exciting times in St. Charles. <laughs> Want to know if line change is on remote today? <laughs> wasn't that funny. It wasn't an eggplant in the rear, I'll say that. Oh, God, please. Oh. Chris Denman, Travis Terrell, the show's We Are Live. Excited to be here tomorrow, final day, 2 to 4 p.m., and uh, we'll have more coming soon on what the hell we're doing. Working hard, keeping the show moving forward one way or another. So if you're fancy on the show, go to Facebook, like us, We Are Live Radio, and then join the uh, private Facebook group, Friends of Wall. It's exciting over there, and uh, Travis releases nudes there twice a week, Tuesdays and Sundays. Right now, we're filled with integrity, excitement, and many other words. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Pat Emick joins for PTI, Pardon the Emick, presented by Hannigan Team Realty. Spanning the World Wide Web to bring you the constant variety of sports, the thrill of a retweet. The agony of a social media mob. The human drama of crazed sports fans, self-important media, and hot takes. This is Pardon the Emig, presented by Hannigan Team Realty. PTI. 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 What's up, Pat? The blues are up. My goodness. <laughs> I love- How about that? What, They're okay. They, they not they, bad. They apparently uh, hockey general managers and the uh, the fire the coach midseason thing. Apparently that can work sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. They. So I, I don't. Excuse me if you guys covered this stuff already. Today. No, we've been and saving by, it for you, buddy. Oh, okay. Um, and by the way, it's great to have your voices back in St. Louis. We miss you, Pat. The, we love I've you. Been, I've been uh, in the. I, I love you guys as well. I've been slaying away in the uh, in the lair again, so I uh, I haven't listened to I didn't get to listen to yesterday's show or the beginning of today's show, but I assume you guys had a fantastic time. Oh yeah, so had get that out of the blast. way first. No, we yeah, we Carly was peacocking around she like sure crazy. Was she literally had on peacocks? Was she the toast of the town? Man, honestly, she was, and it was really like, oh, you're a real person. <laughs> yeah. People know me. <laughs> we thought she was a cartoon character all along. <laughs> no, you mentioned the blues, man. An I, I've used the uh, phrase beautiful disaster for Carly. She liked that. I think <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good great. one. That's the name of my book when I write one. Oh, that's Thanks very delightful. <laughs> How I manage. But you did, yes. you did mention, the, the, of course, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, 2-0 yeah. win last night. Carter Hutton uh, with another shutout. I believe he's now second. Hutton be shutting. He do oh, good one, Chris. Wow, that, that was pretty yeah. good. I th- believe wow. he's now second. Copyright, Kristen. <laughs> Second in the <laughs> NHL uh, with road sh- shutouts. Um, what the hell is happening, and what do we do with our hands? Um, it's, there's a lot to take in because this all happened very quickly, yeah, you know. Um, nice. First off, 
They just set a franchise record with five straight road wins. That's ne- they've never swept a five-game road trip before that's, in the history of the Blues. That's, that's ne- do you think that it's has never happened? Uh, I think it's weird that it happened that this is the team that it, that did it. Yeah, that's a good point. If that makes sense. Uh, and then I started thinking, I was like, God, this is almost like the Cardinals last year where it's like everything is just upside down. It was just a weird team. And weird stuff happening this year with the Blues. I mean, they started out, I think, 14-3 and three at home. And then in the new year, they're 3-6. and six. They started out terrible on the road. In the last, uh, they just swept that five-game road trip. And they've also, I think they're at like 500 now on the road. Uh, and then you go to the coaching change, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out why Hitchcock was brought in as a lame duck. And I, I'm starting to wonder if, like, part of the reason Doug Armstrong was crying and, and so upset um, at that press conference a few weeks back, I wonder if that was just because he felt like, like Hitch fell on the sword and that Hitch had no shot because, you know, maybe it was like almost like Hitch was maybe an insurance for Yo just so that Yo could learn on the job without it being on him. I, and that, that might be completely inaccurate. It's all speculation on my part. I'm not saying I know anything because I don't. Um, but it's just kind of weird because all of a sudden, like you said, they're on fire. Six and one now, I think, under Yo. Yeah. And their, their defense, Joel Edmondson said after the game last night, he's like, He's like, we've really focused on our defense since uh, the change happened, talking about Yo. And it's like, so essentially they weren't focusing on defense. And from that, the player's interpretation, from his quote, my interpretation of that is that they weren't – that's part of why the goaltending was so bad and what's happened. You just mentioned two shutouts. They've got the best goaltending um, save percentage, I want to say, in the last, like, three or four weeks. If so, everything's upside down. I don't – Something has to regress, you know, to the norm. Sure. I don't think they play like this all year, but uh, the the you know the thoughts of optimism of them being you know a fifth or a sixth or seventh place team for the playoffs, which I think is completely reasonable and a success. Uh, if that were to happen, I think it's a lot more possible now than it was five games ago. That's for sure. Is it as simple as saying? And I'm not attempting to throw shots when I say this, but I can't help but ask. Are these guys just playing harder for Yo than they did for Hitchcock? Could be. I mean, I think that's part of it. And again, I'm. It's all I have with the same outside eye as you guys do. But it's like, you know, he's a younger guy. Hitchcock is old school. Hitchcock also is not only old school, but he's kind of like that Mike Martz, mad scientist, likes to change up the lines and right, just, right. you know. And I think that, you know, that at some point that rubs people the wrong way and. Obviously, Tarasenko and him didn't see eye to eye. No. Um, and that that's okay. You can, I mean, teams coexist and win with friction like that. But in this case, you already had your coach that was waiting on deck. Might as well speed up the process and just do it midseason as opposed to, you know, going in next year really not knowing. So uh, it's, yeah, I, I think you could say maybe that the effort's better just because they're all, uh, I guess buying in is the phrase that we would use, right? Absolutely. Feels right. Yeah, it looks like it from the outside. I guess, I mean, again, this is then raised the next question. If that's the case, what does it say about the maturity of this team if they feel now they can play harder under Yo than they did under Hitchcock? Well, I think it's just that clash of styles. So 
again, Hitchcock is a little bit more old school. Right. And like I said, he's got that added element of also being kind of the scientist. So that could, there's two things going against him for today's younger player. I, and I, my interpretation of when I hear players coach um, is a guy that just lets the guys be themselves and, you know, they follow a system, but you're not going to try and shape and mold guys. You're going to let them be kind of free. Um, and that's, I think that's kind of what we're seeing. It's, I mean, yo, yo's personality, his press conferences compared to Ken Hitchcock's are so mundane because Hitchcock was kind of funny and and there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, it's just, it's interesting now. It's like all the talking is being done on the ice as opposed to, you know, previous under Hitchcock. And that probably is a quote that would look a lot worse than it really is intended to be. But that's just because Hitchcock, I always found to be quite entertaining after those games, especially when they would win. Right. Uh, we did get the news as we were traveling down to Memphis yesterday about, of course, the official word on Alex Reyes. Do the Cardinals need to make a move? Or is it <clears throat> a situation where you want to see a few weeks of spring training go by before you truly take an assessment and decide whether or not to go find someone to replace or try to find someone that can put in the innings that maybe they anticipated for Alex Reyes? I think uh, I think if I had to guess, they're going to hold back and kind of let the spring take care of itself. Um, you may lose another uh, arm or two even. True. You, you might. You might. And I also think um, if you had told me that, that somebody was going to get injured and who would replace them, no matter who the guy was, as long as he was a starter, I never would have thought Rosenthal – but given the fact that O was so good at closing last year, yeah. um, Rosenthal's always wanted to start, and that's kind of the vibe that people down there are saying. It's like, you know, this is a possibility. He could at least walk into it and get a shot at it. So, I don't know. I think you got to see what you have there. Um, there's there's not like there's not a lot of guys out there right now anyway. It's not as, as right. a, you know. Um, Carpenter, Chris Carpenter's out there, which would be awesome. Actually, if Chris Carpenter wanted to come pitch, just they should just have him pitch for one game, just for fun, like a oh, I think so. like a minor league game. I think you'd sell that place out in a, in a heartbeat. I like that. One of the game's greatest cussers. <laughs> We're talking to Pat Emig for PTI, presented by Hannigan Team Realty, and uh, we all wish we were out in Vegas with Andy Hannigan right now. Pat. Yeah, uh, can you just imagine him right now? Well, like, speaking of peacocking, he's right. probably peacocking <laughs> around that pool, and he's just probably like talking to everybody, like "What's up, nerds?" <laughs> that's a good anecdote. Yeah, that's I like good. that. That's, that's pretty accurate. Uh, you know that's going down, and that's why it's a beautiful thing. It absolutely is. <laughs> hey, I wanted to get your opinion. We were talking about this earlier. We again, of course, had the uh, pleasure of watching the Memphis Grizzlies play last night, and we've been talking about a uh, Mike Conley. We kind of finished this up this conversation before we went to break. And the one. NBA survive <laughs> in St. Louis. I think after, after seeing actually the way <laughs> the city of Memphis responded, obviously. Uh, from what we saw, it would be a it would be a no brainer that the NBA could certainly work here in St. Louis. So I think, I, that, I I think we can push that it, question. To I bed. think it would. Oh, absolutely. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe, oh no, but... I don't think you're naive. I think again, if you have a, the proper ownership group and you get the businesses to gather around and support it, right, it yeah. I don't even think it has to be too much marketing. I think you tell you're telling me that you can have an Anthony Davis here on a Wednesday night, and then a Kevin Durant on a Friday night, and then a. Carmelo Anthony on a next Monday night, you would be able to get a lot of folks from around the area to come t- to watch basketball. But my question more so had to do with 
uh, the market of the game and when it comes to these player salaries. And we talked about, we'll talk about it, of course, maybe with a Dexter Fowler coming into his first season, a really nice contract with the Cardinals. He's going to have high expectations with that. We mentioned Mike Conley, $30 million a year contract. Is it fair for a fan base to frequently critique a player's performance simply based on how much they're making a year? Um, I mean, I guess it's fair for fans can do whatever they want. That's part of the uh, fun and also part of the illogical nature of being a fan. Uh, so I, it's fair. Um, but I do think that there's, I, you know, when you're making more money, you're expected to produce more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's totally fair on both accounts. Even if I disagree with it, I'd say it's still fair for them to voice their their fan opinion. But, um, God, I, I'm just having these visions of an NBA team here in St. Louis. Oh, my if goodness, they, you should have seen us yesterday. If an NBA team, <laughs> the, thing is, the, sound, the thing is that if the team won, people in St. Louis would show up for it. People in St. Louis have showed up for slew basketball when it was Ball, when it was Larry Hughes, when it was Anthony Bonner. People showed up for Mizzou at the Bragging Rights games every year because Mizzou was always good. Yeah. So it ain't about the sport. If you, if it, I think if there's just this notion, this like mindset that there's, you know, that NBA players are spoiled or something, and I, and maybe that kind of goes to your question a little bit, Travis, sure, about sure. the fact that these guys do make a ton of money. Yeah. And unlike the NFL players who have a much bigger bigger chance of you know, career-threatening and potentially life-threatening injuries. They don't have guaranteed money. Uh, you know, it, it pays to be an NBA. I always joked around and thought that being a, a bench player in the NBA would probably be the best way to live. Yes. Like yes. Jack Haley and Judd Bushler, <laughs> those two dudes did it right. That's hilarious. It's very Absolutely. true. It's, uh, yeah. And they played well into their 30s. And they had a couple championship rings to show for it as well. And they won with Jordan? I yeah. Mean, come on. <laughs> you got the, you're the, you're the best seat in the house. You go the to your hometown on the planet. and do camps for the rest of your life and live off that. Yeah. And, and you know that those are, you'll, I've never met the gentleman, but I'm sure they're the guys that actually have a shrine in their basement, you know, like every <laughs> as if they were like the centerpiece. Right. The John Sallys of the world. Well, that's, yes. That's, yeah. what, that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> Dishing on who was packing in his book after he leaves the NBA. What a guy. I love that guy. But, man, I was like, wow, you're really liberal with the uh, locker room notes, huh? Hey, before I get you out of here, I did want to see if I can get one last hot take from you. We uh, Draymond Green on the Dre Day podcast uh, went after the New York Knicks owner, James Dolan. And he used some terminology that I'm very sensitive to. But, I saw the headline. But yeah, he essentially said James it. Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, had a slave owner mentality. I'm very sensitive when it comes to that type of language. I think I understand what he's trying to say. I don't think he did a good job at articulating it. I'm curious to get what, your words, your thoughts on uh, seeing that headline and what Draymond had to say. Well, like I said, I didn't actually read into it. So I don't know really, I don't know. I would need to look into it more, but I guess what is the issue? Why is he talking about the Knicks owner in the first place? I think Do after James Dolan interaction, I think a lot of players in the NBA are coming to uh, the rescue when it comes to the way Charles Oakley was treated a week ago by New York Knicks or Madison Square Garden security. Okay. And the way James Dolan has had a freight relationship with Knicks of the past. And I think the word is around league circles is that James Dole is considered one of the worst professional sports owners in all of sports, and that he has a very um, 
They ever meet Stan Kroenke? Yeah, that's also what people keep bringing to mind when James Dolan's name gets dropped. But I, I don't know. I was curious if you your thoughts on when f- players I, throw that kind would, of terminology yeah, out think, there. I don't. It's it's hard for me to justify him using that terminology when you know the players themselves are making the money they're making. You know, right, and right. it's like you know, it, it's it's. I don't think it's my place to to comment as far sure. as like until I, you know, read more into it or whatever, but it just seems, it seems totally childish. Like, I think if he's got a, if he's got a legitimate gripe and I'm not saying he doesn't, mm-hmm. there's a better, you know, there's better ways you can package the message. So it's, it's not so um, divisive, I guess, is really the word that gets tossed around, but that's probably what this is. Uh, well, it is that I think. I mean, sure. Am I wrong yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, no. I think that I think you can articulate your point on how terrible James Dolan is without that being the case. Because again, I no, think you, I yeah, think you water down slavery, if you will, when you when you say something yeah, like that. And, and that's and that's kind of what I was trying to say is that it kind of de- it demeans the the whole the reality of of history. Almost. Right. You right. know, it's like you know here's. It, yeah, you guys get what I'm saying. We oh, absolutely. For, no, no, no. We for hours do. about that. But, no, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I would also just say when, like, ESPN has that headline on the screen, and that's where I saw it, they need to have – instead of just having them mention it, they need to – if they're actually going to mention it, they need to actually bring people in from both sides yeah. to, like, have a constructive conversation. You don't – that's a part of the problem. You don't do the PTI, the pardon the interruption – PTI of quick hitting 60 second reaction right. for, for sensitive topics like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. stuff's long form. And the fact that I can realize that and they don't, is kind of sad, but Hey, uh, it's better living in St. Louis than Bristol. Anyway, <laughs> that's a great point. You can follow Pat on Twitter at Patrick Emig and uh, do us a favor. Go see Pat, myself, Carly, Travis, whoever's running it. Uh, for some night, trivia. By the way. What how, was that? How, Packed house last night. Very nice at Joey B's on uh, on Manchester. And also, speaking of Manchester, since Hot Shots TMA Live is going down tonight, Pat has nicely opened up his home to listeners if they want to stay there <laughs> yes. tonight because that's Pat's neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, um, I, the, go get lit be, at Hot Shots and then go stay with Pat. There will be Pat. an extreme vetting process for those who actually <laughs> Extreme stay. vetting, very good. Extreme sad, vetting as sad, in do you, very sad. do you have a vagina? <laughs> right. Uh, anatomy could play a part in this. I don't want to get into any feminist arguments. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Pat. Good talking to you, brother. PTI yeah. brought to we'll you. Talk, uh, we'll talk soon. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Are you guys going to be around this weekend? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a okay. very nice weekend. So hopefully we'll see that face of yours. Sounds like a plan. Bye, right. Carly. Bye. Hashtag PTI. <laughs> Pardon the Emig. With Pat Emig presented by Hannigan Team Realty. And we mentioned that Andy Hannigan was in Las Vegas. He's right this second hobnobbing, hanging out, learning, and sharing information with the most talented real estate agents and professionals in the world in Las Vegas. So that helps you right here in St. Louis. He'll help you in Missouri or Illinois. He's a buying and selling machine, Travis. Yeah, he is, is that okay? He's a boss. It is okay. That's right. Man. Andy Hannigan, we are live homes.com. Love working with Andy and being a part of the team. Check it out. 314-730-LIVE for all of your buying and selling 
needs here in St. Louis, Missouri, and Illinois. Trav, you want to do some uh, that one segment, or you want to get out of here? What do you want to do? You know what? Let's let's just let's just end the show. That's well, yeah. I think well, I, we don't have to do some terrifying fault, but I did want to bring up this story we talked about a little bit on our road trip back to Memphis. And no, I, I thought this would be a good thing to end on some good news, and because uh, it's considering all that goes on in the world, it is important to point out the good people. And the city of Detroit uh, lost a very important man, uh, Mike Lynch. Lynch, excuse me. Uh, who was the former owner of the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Red Wings, and of course the founder of uh, Gaines's favorite place, Little Caesars Pizza. Pizza, pizza, five dollars. <laughs> uh, but it was these stories about his generosity. He was a very big philanthropist, especially in the Michigan area. And these stories are coming out now. Of course, of some of the things he did. He didn't do it for publicity. He didn't do it for attention or fame. Uh, he did it because he, by all accounts, was an extremely kind man. And this story struck to me uh, that really stood out. And it was uh, Lich. He decided for, the, for almost the last 10 years of her life, uh, he paid the rent for the great Rosa Parks. Uh, when she was on the verge of being evicted from her home, uh, he stepped up and uh, paid her rent immediately. Uh, following the incident that took place, uh, she was in a battle between the state of Michigan and the lieutenant governor about her place where she lived being a historical property, et cetera, and she wow. couldn't afford to keep up on it. But Lich stepped in and paid Mrs. Rosa Parks um, rent. And I think considering everything that's going on presently in the world, uh, whether it's going on with our president or with our local officials, it's good to know that there are great men and women out here who are still who have given to our community. And I wanted to highlight that because I thought that was one of the coolest stories I had to read so far in 2017. Certainly is. And we want to thank you guys for tuning in, being part of the show, your continued support. Again, check out the private Facebook group, Friends of Wall. Join it today. Come see us March 1st, March 2nd at the Nano Pub at Southtown Pub for Target Practice Live. Get your tickets online. Wanting to sell this out by the end of this week. Uh, we'll see. We're close. Get in there. Get in. Get your tickets. Come out. Hang out with us. Have a blast. March 1st, March 2nd for Target Practice Live. Been an excellent show, and tomorrow, Gaines will tell you where we're going to be, but uh, last show on 2 to 4 p.m., and then uh, we'll have some news soon. Bring cookies! About the next yeah, spot that. that we'll be in, but uh, <laughs> can, big can thanks. I, can I do that with the, being our last show on 2 to 4? Can I request food? Uh, no, we're not going out like that. Carly, Carly, do it. Please bring cookies. Yes. Please don't tell Deadman. Yeah, don't tell And Jack in the Box. <laughs> That's right. Big thanks to everybody. And uh, you guys have a great afternoon. Tell them about it, Gaines. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at We Are Live Radio. Chris and Travis are on Twitter, too. At Black to the Future and at Tweet Them. And Gaines is on Twitter, too. At Gaines Tweet. And Carly's on Twitter. Carly not safe for content and featured interviews. Visit WeAreLiveRadio.com, iTunes, Inside STL, and the Android Store. The line changes up next. We'll see you tomorrow at South Broadway South Broadway Athletic Club at 2. The guy is drunk!